Well, here we go with a second week of three episodes um, on the Vince August podcast. But with everything going on in the country um, and the feedback from everybody I've been getting, I, I feel it's absolutely necessary to do this. So I want to make this hopefully the last episode on Ferguson and Garner and police brutality and start getting into more um, diverse stories, world news, more national news. Um, obviously, whenever these things happen, uh, the world changes in terms of what's important and what's not important. Um, Ebola was on everyone's mind not a week ago, and now all of a sudden Ebola is gone. Apparently, we found the cure for Ebola. Um, you know, there, there's our, our media loves to go from story to story. Our media loves to change gears on the fly. So right now, I, I'm wondering what is what it's going to take to shift gears from police brutality into the next story, and it's going to have to be pretty horrific. Um, and that's the scary thing right now. In order for us to switch gears, you're almost thinking at this point it's, it's probably going to take a terrorist attack. It's it's probably going to take something really horrific to happen on a national front um, to divert our news attention right now from police brutality to something else. But I wanted to throw some things out there and give some some food for thought um, as I want to, again, make this the last time we hit this topic. Right now what we're seeing on social media, I'm seeing it all over Facebook. I'm seeing it all over Twitter. I'm seeing it all over just about all of the sites that I hit um, – scouring the internet for stories and scouring the internet for reactions to what's going on. And right now what we have is a battle of videos. We have a battle of YouTube clips. We have a battle of footage from everyone trying to post their angle and their say on what's happening across the country with regards to police, black on black, black on white, white on white, white on black. So right now it's it's who can find the most videos or who can find the most disturbing videos to try to either show that this is not a racist issue, to try to show that this is a racist issue, to try to show that you know this is just about black people, to try to show this is just about white cops. So what I've seen so far today in the couple hours when I woke up this morning looking at all the different videos, I've seen a lot of white people posting videos of protesters from Ferguson and New York City and showing the rhetoric that's being spewed by what in most cases is young black males that seem very uneducated um, and they're just spewing hatred. And they would have spewed, in my opinion, ignorant statements, whether there was a police shooting or wasn't a police shooting. Much like if you went into certain areas of this country and asked white people about black America, regardless of these past couple of weeks, 
they would have given the same information. So ignorance is ignorance. When you have a national story like this, the ignorance becomes compounded. The ignorance becomes amplified. And people all of a sudden are bringing attention to themselves. I'm seeing a lot of videos of people antagonizing police officers trying to do everything they can to get hit by a cop. To try to show, aha, look, see? See how bad cops are? And you know what? You've, you, this is We're getting into dangerous territory now. Because now you can't provoke police officers. You can't provoke, you know, it's, it's funny. What did, what's the, the, the great saying from World War II? I think we've awoken a sleeping giant when the United States got involved in World War II. And you can't provoke someone into a fight, get beat up, get shot, ha- suffer the consequences of it, and then point a finger and say, you see, here's another example. No. No, we got to be careful here. We're crossing a lot of lines. You know, and I put something up yesterday on Facebook, and I said, you know, Governor Christie was accused of creating traffic on the George Washington Bridge, and he was demonized for it. He was made out to be the devil. Protesters stop traffic, and somehow what they're doing is benevolent and angelic. And someone posted a response to that saying, uh, my friend Lonnie said, come on, Vince, you can't compare the two. What Christie was doing was was for a, a personal agenda. Oh, yeah? And what are these protesters doing this for? And that's the question I have. What are these protesters doing this for? What is the goal here? Is the goal here to get rid of New York City Police Department? We're going to eliminate the NYPD? Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. We're going to fire every cop on the police force and hire a whole new batch of cops. Never going to happen. So what is the goal here? Is the goal all cops are racist until we get rid of all cops? We're not going to have racial harmony? No. So, see, I don't know what the message is. But to me, and I drove home in that traffic last night. I was at court, um, 111 Center Street. Got out of court about 915 And I had to commute home in that traffic. I had to deal with that traffic. And I could tell you right now, and I did this and I talked about it in another podcast. You're not going to win me over with that. And I'm in traffic and I'm seeing cops struggle to get through traffic. And I'm seeing an ambulance come down the street and the ambulance couldn't get down the street. And I remembered what happened in Fort Lee with Governor Christie when the um, there was a woman that died because she couldn't get to a hospital, and they blamed it on the traffic. Well, what if someone died last night as a result of this traffic? Does that justify, does that death, is that justified? Does the protest justify that death? Should that person suffer? Should that person's family suffer a loss because the protesters are trying to make a point about police brutality? And again, the question becomes, what is your goal? What change are you trying to affect? I don't know that there's a clear message here because a lot of what I'm hearing is I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Listen, a large majority of the country is looking at the Garner situation and everyone, even people on Fox News, everyone is saying they got it wrong. Everyone. 
There's very few people trying to say Garner was justified. The Garner situation was justified. So the the point is out there. Everyone sees it. Action is going to be taken. Federal investigations are going to take place. And again, I said it with regards to Ferguson. I don't think the federal investigation is going anywhere. And the Garner situation with the officer in Staten Island, that federal investigation is going somewhere. Okay, so now let the wheels of justice take place. But here's where we're getting crazy now. What we're doing is now we're, we're going to start playing videos of how, you know, white cops treat white defendants, black cops treat white defendants, black cops treat black defendants. And, and we're going to do this battle of videos and we can get into this pissing contest and we can go back and forth. The funny thing about all of this is, and the thing that's driving me insane, is that when a black person calls out his own race, he's immediately labeled an Uncle Tom. Immediately. And I don't understand this. I really don't. It's amazing because, and it's, it's usually white people doing it. When a white person sees a black person saying something bad about black people, oh, that's an Uncle Tom. And black people do it too. But why? Why can't a black person have an opinion about his own race? It be negative and he not be called out for it. I don't understand this. I really don't understand this mentality. Why can't a person just have an opinion and say, hey, if their opinion happens to be out of bounds with with what a lot of activists are saying, a lot of people on the opposition side are saying, again, this is what I get to with the problem in this country is if you agree with me, great. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. No, there's another side, man. There's another opinion. Why? Why does it always have to be agree with me or else? And I'm going to play two videos. And these two videos um, are symbolic of what I'm talking about with regards to there are people of color taking an opposing view. And immediately they are looked at as being out of line with the norm. Listen to these two videos. This one came from Megyn Kelly, who I have a lot of issues with on Fox, Megyn Kelly. But this is an interview of a sheriff from Milwaukee talking about the racism involved. Now, this is a black police sheriff, and here's his response. County, Wisconsin. He's been speaking out recently on the issues of race and law enforcement. Sheriff, good to see you again tonight. And your thoughts on Mayor de Blasio suggesting that what we're dealing with here, what we're seeing in Ferguson and Staten Island, is the result of centuries of racism. Well, again, irresponsible rhetoric. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Mayor de Blasio is placating to a segment of people in New York, and I find it shameful. I'm still waiting for some effective leadership, starting with reasonable uh, messaging to kind of get so that we can get our arms around this thing and start moving in the direction that we need to move in. Look, Megan, I come from both perspectives here. I grew up a black male in America, and for the last 37 years, I've lived in a police culture. These two things are compatible. But what's going on here is, look, slavery left a stain on the soul of this nation. We all know that. But that 
that wound is starting to heal, and it's been healing for a long time, but now we have a segment of people who are picking at that scar, hoping to uh, reopen it and take us back to a time that it simply doesn't exist today. We've come a long way in, in terms of improved race relations here in the United States. White society, I think, has done a credible job of trying to right those wrongs and realizing they can't hold us back anymore, that we can only hold ourselves back. What about his comments about his son? I mean, does that not sound you know, plausible to you, that he would have to have that discussion with his son who appears as a black man, uh, that he needs to be extra careful with law enforcement and that that, that that needs to change? Well, fortunately, his son is going to grow up with a male role model, a father figure in his life, much like I did. Uh, my dad was my role model. My dad taught me how to deal with the world. Uh, look, there was a, 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 an example when I was a young kid, 15-year-old punk, and a squad car drove by the house, and I put up the black power signal. Um, you know, just kind of taunting the police. The police pulled uh, back the car, came up, and my dad came out of the house, and he walked up respectfully. He said, officers, there's a problem. He said, we thought your son was uh, flagging us down. He said, I'll handle this. My father told me to get in the house. He said, why are you screwing with the police? Knock it off. See, it's about respect, respect for authority. We have a, a large segment of black males growing up in America, in America's urban ghettos, that don't have father figures in their lives. So these kids grow up with a chip on their shoulder and with rage, and any time they come into contact with an authority figure, and it isn't just the police, Megan, it starts at home where they don't uh, accept the authority coming from mom or dad, they don't accept the authority coming from a teacher, they don't accept the authority coming from a boss, and they also don't do it with the police. So what we need to do is figure out how to guide these young men in this very tough period of time and teach them to deal with authority. Look, the police are in charge. When the police tell you to get out of the road, you get out of the road. When the police tell you to put your hands behind your back, you're going to jail, you put your hands behind your back. What I tell people all the time is, look, comply with the lawful orders of the police, and we'll deal with the grievance later. Because when you go into a situation where you're going to confront the law enforcement officer, you're going to lose, and you should lose. So I tell them, comply, and we'll deal with it later. Last question, I need a quick answer. Then why are some folks so determined to say that this isn't about a lack of respect for authority, this is about whites being racist against blacks, white cops in particular? Well, again, they're just trying to open an old wound as if uh, you know, the Civil War was fought last year. And we need to continue to push back with sound reasoning, with you know, level heads, and, and that's the only way you can c confront the irresponsible rhetoric that we're hearing coming out of some uh, very powerful people. Sheriff Clark, it's great to see you again, sir. My pleasure, Megan. All the best to you. Someone please tell me what was so wrong with what Sheriff David Clark said. If there's anything wrong with what he said. Now, I, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I take personal pride in what he said because I just did two episodes ago. Uh, an entire rant on personal responsibility and respect. And, man, I, I want to call David Clark and say, did you listen to my podcast? Because it was about people not listening to their parents. It starts at home. You don't listen to your parents. You don't listen to your teacher. You don't listen to your boss. You don't listen to cops. You don't listen to anybody. And it's just a lack of respect. Period. End of story. What is so wrong with what he said? I mean, it, it, how is it possible that people are going to look at this sheriff and say, Uncle Tom? And listen, he comes from both perspectives. 
I love that he said that. Listen, I was raised a black male. First half of my life was a black male. Second half of my life, a black police officer. I've been on both sides. I can speak to you from both sides of this issue. So when someone has that background, when someone speaks from that authority, if it's not in line with what seems to be the agenda of an activist, what seems to be an agenda of, you know, someone that is just so anti-police right now, someone who's so trying to push this, you know, cops or pigs mentality, they immediately dismiss what someone like this has to say. I don't understand this. You know, and then Charles Barkley recently made a statement and Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley is a basketball player. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers. He played for um, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, He played for U.S. Olympic teams. And Kenny Smith is also a a pro basketball player, played for the Houston Rockets. And they're both commentators on, um, I believe it's TBS or or TNT. They they cover uh, the NBA. And Charles Barkley's always been outspoken. And Charles Barkley's been that person He's the one that you may know that said, I'm not a role model. I'm a professional basketball player. This is who I am. I'm not a role model. Don't follow me. Follow your parents. Follow teacher. Follow other people in life. Don't look at me to be a role model. Um, Charles Barkley's been very outspoken. I know he's also seeking or sought to get involved in local government. I believe he's from Alabama. I think he went to Auburn University. Um, Very outspoken. And the second Charles Barkley says something against the black community and i don't know why it's against the black community i don't don't know what he said that was so against the black community he's basically speaking again as an african-american male having grown up in the deep south and then kenny smith another basketball player african-american comes out and says you know what charles you don't know what you're talking about and then i see white people run to the side of kenny smith that are sympathetic to this cause and again it's like you know this I don't know why it's a left-right issue. I really don't know why this is a left-right issue. And it's, you know why it's a left-right issue? You know what? I do know why. You know, I'm, I apologize for that. Because everything in this country is take sides. And for some reason, if it's a cop, you're a Republican. If it's the citizen, you're the Democrat, which is such a bunch of just nonsense. Nonsense. And Kenny Smith called out Charles Barkley. And everyone assumed that Charles Barkley was going to back down on the issue of race and police. And when called to task, here's what Charles Barkley answered. All these people are standing here saying if they indict him, they were already going to riot. No matter if there was an indictment no or not? No question. Because your mind does not go from, let me sit here and listen, and let me go and just start burning up police cars and tearing down buildings. That's, it, it, that just doesn't happen. Let me go back to the notion of white cops killing black people. What about the case we're waiting for the um, the results to come down from the grand jury for Eric Garner here sure. in New York, uh, right? I mean, it's one thing in Ferguson, there's some audio, but you see the video, you see these cops surround him, yes, yes. and he ultimately, so it was a homicide, he dies. I don't think that was a homicide. I don't think that was a homicide. What it, was that? Uh, it was a chokehold, you see it. Well, I think the cops were trying to arrest him, and they got a little aggressive. I think excessive force, uh, you know, something like that. But to go right to murder, what, 
But when the cops are trying to arrest you, if you fight back, things go wrong. That doesn't mean, I don't think they were trying to kill Mr. Garner. You know, I, I, they, he was a big man, and they tried to get him down. You know, I'm hearing so much from different people, friends, people who come on my show, um, African-Americans saying, listen, Brooke, you know, I was taught it as a young age. I, I have different rules than you do when I deal with police. And there is a lot of, there's a lot of getting that off people's chest right now because of what happened in Ferguson. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration. What can we as a country do with that, this energy right oh, now? Well, first of all, we can open a dialogue. And I think that's probably what I was trying, what I did was open a dialogue. Look, in fairness, there's some black people out there who are crooks. And when the police come to your neighborhood, it's a, a tense situation. The only time you interact with the cops is when things are going wrong. That's the only time we ever interact, interact with the cops. But first of all, we as, we, we as black people, we got a lot of crooks. We can't just uh, wait until uh, something like this happens. We have to look ourselves in the mirror. There's a reason they racially profile us at times. Sometimes it's wrong, but sometimes it's right. So to, to act and sit there and act like we hold, hold no responsibility for, for some of this stuff, it's it, disingenuous. How can the president help this? First African-American president, you know, he held meetings at the White House this mm -hmm. week. Um, should he be going to Ferguson? No. This, you know, and that's another thing that annoys me about this whole situation, Brooke. Every time something happens in the black community, we have the same cast of sad characters. We don't have to have Al Sharpton go there. We don't have to have, and, I know, and I'm not disparaging Mr. Crump. I know he represented, when it happened in Florida with mm -hmm. Trayvon's family, God bless them. But we have the same sad sack of black characters. We need some strong black men in St. Louis to stand up and say, hey, let's handle this situation. Where are they? Uh, that bothers me. I guarantee you, listen, if something happened in my life, I got this. I can handle it. I can handle, I don't need people coming. Like, I, I feel like I can handle a situation. Don't have to have people coming from New York or coming from Florida. I'm a strong black man. I can handle this. Let me move off Ferguson. Um, Ray Rice. Mm -hmm. All right, we're not going to get into the Ray Rice. Uh, we're going to cut it off there. Um, again, with regards to his comments, there are certain things that um, Charles Barkley said I will take issue with. Um, with regards to the Eric Garner situation, I, I do disagree. Um, when you're trying to arrest someone, there are ways to do it, and resisting arrest, you know, that it always goes wrong. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. What Eric Garner was doing was selling illegal cigarettes, and he wasn't getting taxed on selling illegal cigarettes. I don't know what the law is in New York and if that automatically becomes an offense that you would be facing incarceration. One of the things as a judge, when I had to set bail, when police officers would call me sometimes in the middle of the night, and I would have to consider the ramifications of setting bail, one of the things I had to look at is, was the underlying offense one that would cause me to incarcerate 
this particular individual? If the answer was no, then I would set a bail, either ROR, release on own recognizance, or so reasonable and so low that it could be posted because if the person wouldn't likely be incarcerated, well, why am I going to set a high bail and incarcerate them? If this offense would not have resulted in an incarceration or a lengthy sentence or anything of that nature, they could have just handed him a summons. So you didn't need all of that. So I disagree with Charles Barkley with regards to his assessment on that. With regards to fighting back, I I completely agree. You don't fight back. You don't fight back with authority. There are other ways to resolve it, and we heard it from Sheriff David Clark. Listen, take your arrest and then file your grievance. There's a process. Okay, And, and listen, you see it in schools. You know what? You fail a test, you have an issue with a teacher, you can approach the teacher after the fact. You don't, during the middle of a test, stand up and say, this test is BS, I'm not taking this crap. There's a process here with regards to Barkley's comment. He doesn't think the cops meant to kill Eric Gardner. I I agree. I don't think any of the officers in that position, their mental capacity was to kill this individual. I think their mind reached the point of, you know what? I've had it with this guy. Now I'm going to do whatever it takes to handcuff him, throw him in the back of a wagon, and put him in a jail cell for a long time. I don't think it was, I'm going to choke this guy and kill him. I don't think that was the case. I think they were way overzealous. And again, I said it in the last podcast, there's criminality here. I I think that 1,000%. But here we go again to key things that Barkley is saying. Responsibility. Same thing David Clark said. Same thing I said, episode 10. Take responsibility. Take responsibility of who you are. Take responsibility of your interaction with law enforcement. The other thing he said, and again, this goes back to my next podcast in episode 11, which was correcting the system. Barkley says, the only interaction we have with cops is when we're arrested. And I went off on this, and this is one of my repairs. This is one of my fixes for the system. One of my fixes for this system is we have to develop an interaction with police officers beyond arrests. We need some type of social, communal interaction with police officers. And listen, if that means on their days off, they make themselves available at community events, volunteer at community events, you know what? That's part of your job. That is part of your protect and serve. That is part of your serve. Sorry you don't get paid for it, but this comes with the territory. Look, as a municipal court judge, you know what? I used to get involved with doing the lecture on government day. I didn't get paid for that. I was asked to be part of government day in the township of South Hackensack, and it was one of my favorite things to do. That's part of serving your community. Being available, being accessible as something other than a police officer. And you know what? It would work for the police officers too because when the townspeople see you pushing a baby stroller, walking your dog, getting involved in softball in a town, baseball league, basketball league, whatever it is. There's the PALS league I see in Hackensack, New Jersey, locally. People want to see you act in a different capacity. The other thing I love that Barkley said is with regards to Obama getting 
involved in these specific incidents. These are incidents for local government. This is an NYPD matter to be handled by the district attorney's office for New York. Now, we've seen the prosecutors blow two of these things. Federal prosecutors then get involved at the next level. I think we have enough going on between the other major cities in the United States, between the world, the Middle East, and everywhere else, where President Obama should have enough on his plate that this should not be on the front burner for him. I'm sorry, it shouldn't be. With unemployment, with the education system failing, there's a lot of different things that could be repaired that the president should be giving his attention to. Now, if he wants to appoint a special prosecutor, if he wants to appoint an advisor, someone to deal with this directly, yes. But that President Obama should be taking away and coming to New York City and going to Ferguson, Missouri, I don't know that that's where our priority is. That's where the media's focus is. That's where the media attention is. I think as a nation we have other priorities, I would assume. I want to shift gears into something else that may be lending into and feeding into this problem. Here, according to the CNBC website, are the top of the top 10 selling video games in the United States. Here are here is number 1, Titanfall. Number 2, Call of Duty. Number five, Battlefield. Number seven, Grand Theft Auto. Number eight, Assassin's Creed. Five of the top ten video games that are selling in the United States deal with incredible graphic violence. Incredible graphic violence. Here are the top, among the top ten TV shows in America, number one, NCIS, a cop show. Number two, Blacklist, pseudo-cop CIA show. Number three, Sons of Anarchy, full-out motorcycle gang violence. Number six, American Horror Story, violence. Number seven, Game of Thrones, decapitation, sex, violence, everything else. Now, mind you, I am an unbelievable supporter of the First Amendment. I am all for every one of these shows being on TV. I have no problem with any of these shows. I don't have a problem with the video games. Here's my problem with the video games. If you're letting... Your young children play violent video games. You better have a talk with them. You better pay attention to who and what they are, what they're doing. That falls on you, parents. Take responsibility for that. If your young kids are staying up late at night watching Sons of Anarchy, and I talked about this when I did an episode on the, the Parents' Children's League uh, guy who wrote this unbelievable letter on the gratuitous sex. And, you know, the, again, parents, police your own home. Now, you want to let your kids watch it, that's fine. 
You better make sure your kid is mature enough to understand it's a TV show and that that is not what you act out. Listen, and I have this issue and I take this issue with regards to the housewife shows. There are women at home that watch the housewives shows as a playbook. This is their playbook on how they want to live their lives. There are people that look at the Kardashians as a playbook. I want to be a socialite. That's the type of life I want to lead. And if that's what you're letting your kids do, then you know what? Again, go back to my personal responsibility and respect episode 10. The problem starts in the house. Period. End of story. The problem starts in the house. You know, another thing that I'm looking at in, in, in our country is um, Christmas is coming. And it's today is December 5th, 20 days away, less than three weeks we have Christmas here. And I, I've been performing a lot, as you do around the holidays as a comedian. And I ask the, I always throw in the audience, Christmas is coming, it's 20 days. And people moan every show. There's uh And then I ask, how many people here celebrate Christmas? 80% of the room would then clap. If 80% of the people are celebrating a holiday that they're moaning for, then you know what? Again, what are you doing to your holiday? What are you doing to make this joyous occasion so stressful? Personal responsibility. Is the shopping going to the mall that stressful? Well, you're making it about the gift. You're making it about gift giving. That's on you. Again, take responsibility. It doesn't have to be about gifts in your house. But well, then if I don't get my kids gifts, then the neighbor's kids. Well, listen, that's on you. That's on you. You know what? I hate going to the malls. You can shop online. There's a lot of things you could do. Again, this is all about gifts. Gift giving in general, spending money on people, stressful. Decorating. Oh my God, we got to put up the tree. We got to go outside and put up the. Hey, listen, put candles in the window. Put a bow around a tree. Again, that's on you. That's on. But again, see, here's where we are in this country, where even where we have this holiday that Christians celebrate that's supposed to be so much fun and joy. And we've learned to take the joy out of that because of the stress we add to it. Because we've changed the holiday. We have morphed this holiday into something we don't look forward to. And this is the fun holiday. This is basically we're celebrating the birth of what is ultimately believed to be a Christian savior. So this is a birthday. This is a kid's birth. That's what this is. And attached to the story is a guy in a red suit, a reindeer that gives out gifts. Somehow, some way. We have managed to turn that into a stressful situation because of what? The pressures of our neighbors spending money on people because of what we have to get our kids, because what we have to get each other, because we have to go through this this friendship annual accounting of how close we were to each other and how good we were to each other that year and base that now that, that basis now becomes the form of money we spend to buy somebody a gift. Are you absolutely kidding me? This is what you've turned this holiday into. Hey, listen, you know what? We changed the rules in my house, and we stopped it. We turned it into a grab bag. Adults in one grab bag, 
the younger kids in another grab bag. You pick a name and you buy just that person a gift. So you focus on one person. Period. End of story. This way, you know what? Everybody gets one gift. Because in the end, how much do you really need? How much do you really need? And for the people waiting on lines for TVs, toys, and everything else, aren't there better things to wait online for? Aren't there better things you could be waiting online for? How about waiting online to donate your time to a shelter? How about waiting online to go see your kid's teacher on parent-teacher night? How about waiting online to go see your kid perform in a school play in their athletic ability, in their athletic sport, whatever it may be. There are a lot of better things to be spending time online than buying people something that they probably don't need. So you know what? If you don't like the holiday, it's probably because you turned it into something that's negative. Again, take responsibility for your own fun. Don't turn your fun into a nightmare. Guys, I want to get off of this Ferguson thing. I want to get off of this Eric Garner thing. It's been just so out there. Um, the, you know, the one message I want to send in this podcast, and hopefully this will be the last time I, I address it and I can move on to a ton of different things going on around the world and around the country. Stop getting into this battle of trying to show everyone how there are examples of black on black. There are examples of white on white. There are examples of black on white that trump what we've seen. This is not a pissing contest. That's this is not if you're if you're getting involved in a pissing contest, again, you are part of the problem. You are not part of the solution. You are part of everything that's wrong with this country. If someone comes out like a Charles Barkley and you find the need to have to call him an Uncle Tom, that he has to be interviewed again by CNN, called to task, called to task, to be asked once again, Charles, a lot of people are mad at you. Do you still believe this? If you were one of the people that felt the need to call out Charles Barkley, well, now you have your answer. Charles Barkley is basically telling you, hey, This is what I believe. You don't like it too bad. Charles Barkley is entitled to his opinion. Again, stop trying to be the you either agree with me or you're wrong person. And say, you know what? Here's another black perspective for me to consider. Or even better. Even better, because I really don't like that. Here's another perspective of another human being that I don't need to label as black or white that maybe I need to hear. Like Sheriff David Clark. Here's another perspective of an individual who's been on both sides, raised in America as an African-American, then became a police officer, and now is played on both sides of the fence. Let me listen to that perspective as opposed to, again, and this usually happens with the left more than the right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. The left, when someone comes out from their side and says, immediately they dismiss them. Immediately dismissed. 
Even and Bill Maher even went through it. Bill Maher went on his whole rant about Islam and the nation of Islam and Arabs, and immediately the the left dismisses Bill Maher. They're one of their poster child. As soon as he says something against this, oh, forget it. he's he's being an ass. Dismiss him immediately. Again, it's not about sides, everybody. Oh my God, I got to say this every podcast. It's not about sides. There's one side, right? That's it. That's the side you want to be on, the right side. It's right and wrong. Get off the wrong side. We all want what's best. And just because someone disagrees with you, you don't dismiss them. What did Charles Barkley say? I'm trying to start a dialogue. But you know what? Some people, you don't want a dialogue. You don't. It's your way or no way. Cops are bad. Cops are racist. End of story. Every cop out there is a racist. This is the approach. That is absolutely absurd. Every black person is a thug. Period. That's it. I don't want to hear it. Look, look at what you've seen. They're all thugs. They're burning down their own city. They're animals. No. Every white person is racist. No. Stop this nonsense name calling. It is counterproductive. You were part of the problem. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Get involved. Do something other than just try to incite more anger. You have to take more responsibility for this than just trying to incite people. And this whole left, right, again, taking sides, pro-cop, anti-cop, is such nonsense. It's so disturbing to me. This country is in a pitiful state right now. And if you're part of the people taking sides and not saying, hey, let's get on a dialogue and let's fix this situation... You are everything that's wrong with this country. I'm calling you out. You're part of the problem. Stop your liberal nonsense. Stop your conservative nonsense. Stop your Democrat, Republican nonsense. Get yourself in the middle. You know what? You march in the middle of the street. You protest in the middle of the street. Well, get in the middle of the street when it comes to making these decisions. I really hope this is the last time I have to address this stuff. Um, I hope we can get on some more... Interesting topics, something that is so, you know, that isn't tied to so much violence and hatred. And man, I would love to do some fun stuff, but I, I, I just, I'm compelled to try to raise awareness in this country because what I'm seeing is a lot of stupidity. I'm seeing stubbornness and stupidity. And all of the stupidity is being displayed front and center, and the rest of the world is watching and laughing their asses off. We are being laughed at. We are the punchline of the joke, America. Nice job. Well, another episode. Hopefully, again, this is something that you'll be willing to share, comment. I love the messages. I love the emails. A lot of people disagreed with me on my assessment of the Eric Garner situation. A lot of people pro-cop found my assessment off base. Sorry. Um... Everyone that agrees with me, if you want to make you know a, this a bigger podcast, if you want this to affect more people, you got to share it. You got to direct people to it. Let's make my voice louder. I, I, I think I'm saying all of the right things here. So let's make a difference.
That's what we're trying to do. Make a difference. Get involved. Make a productive difference. A productive difference. Oh, one other thing. Um, one of the clients I represent, uh, we put a bill before the New Jersey Assembly this week in Trenton, uh, a committee with regards to licensing pet groomers. I am so proud of this client. I'm so proud of this bill. It has been one year in the making. Think about it. It's taken one year to try to get a bill to the floor of New Jersey, and we're still not at a vote point yet. We're just at a at a basically proposal stage, and the bill's going to have to go through changes to get pet groomers licensed, okay? It's taken a year to get us to this point. I am so proud of the fact that we did do it. I am getting involved in legislation with my client on this. Uh, Assemblywoman Tuttle in Englewood has been instrumental on this. This is how you affect change, and people, it takes time. It took us a year to get a bill to the a vote just to see if we can get a past committee on getting pet groomers licensed. You're not going to fix the world in a day. It just doesn't happen that way. Everybody have an amazing weekend. Vince August podcast, episode 12 in the books. Thank you for joining me.